0: Fantasy and some flights. Exploring the realms of beer, board games, books, and bourbon.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy and some flights podcast. I'm Nelson. I'm Dalton. And we are drinking and talking about board games today, specifically deck building board games. Yeah? Yeah which, I'm, yeah. yeah, which I yeah, which I yeah, that's good. That okay, we were for the same thing. That's good. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. That would have been awkward. That would have been really awkward. Yeah, it but, would have been hard. So, but but anyways, yeah, so we're going to talk about deck building. We're going to kind of talk, give some descriptions of some key terms, and then Dalton or your your aunt, right? Came up with a cool way to recommend board games that Dalton will explain a little bit later. Yeah. Yeah. But before we before we dive into that, what's on your flight tonight, Dalton?
0: Yeah, my uh my flight tonight. This is a an Irish whiskey called Sexton. Um, and this this whiskey is almost worth nice. buying. Just I know I know <laughs> this whiskey is almost worth buying just for like how it looks on the shelf. It has this this sort of and and I'm and I'm having to describe it to Nelson because again we're like totally mobile from the um, from being on lockdown here, being quarantined. But the the bottle is sort of like a hexagon. Um, and it's sort of like short and fat. Um, so it actually looks like if you took I'm such a, you know, board game nerd. But if you took like a Twilight Imperium like board game tile and like just kind of dragged it upward, you know, so it was tall like a cylinder, that's what it would I know look exactly
1: like. what you're talking about now.
0: Yeah, it's about that size. It's about like, I don't know, 6 I, inches I tall. I have it pictured like in my head. Yep. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Um but anyway, that's about the bottle. The whiskey itself. Um it's pretty it's pretty cheap, pretty affordable for like uh I mean a lot of Irish whiskeys are, but um it's pretty affordable. It's like 20, 25 bucks something like that. It's a little like it's got a little body for, like, an Irish whiskey. Like, it, it has, like, the oak kind of comes through. And so it's it's probably, right now it's one of my favorite Irish whiskeys. It's really good to have around just because, again, it is, like, affordable. And if someone is, like, at my house and they want to do, like, a tasting and they want to understand differences and like, how, like, Irish whiskeys taste versus, like, a scotch versus, like, an American bourbon. Uh, it's a really
1: good example of that. Um, so that's what I'm drinking right now. I'm enjoying it. What's on your flight? So I'm super excited because tonight I am drinking my favorite beer of all time, which is Space Station Middle Finger from Three Floyds.
0: <laughs> and what a great name!
1: What a great yeah, name right? has. The the art is fantastic. I'm sure you you've seen it definitely, Dalton. Yeah. But if, yeah. And I'm showing it to him on the Zoom the Zoom call. So go out there and Google Space Station Middle Finger Three Floyds on their website. Actually, gave credit to the artist, which I thought was kind of cool. Don't remember his name, it. but <laughs> shout out to them. <laughs> So, Space Station Middle Finger is a American Pale Ale, and it, it's it's just good. I I don't know. I mean, it's it's fantastic. It it's so smooth, and I'm trying to look at the APV. Where's it at? I think it's like around six. So it's okay. not it's not too heavy, which which is nice. But it just feels so good. A lot of people really like Three Floyd's other beer, which is Zombie Dust. But I've I've always liked the Space Station Middle Finger just slightly more. I think that was. I had it at, or like the first time I had it was at a Pass the Gavel, which is something that our fraternity does where we all get in a room and like talk about what's going on during the semester at school. So, yeah. So good memories from it, which I think kind of like lend to why I like it so much, but yeah. Yeah. It's it's got a nostalgia for you. We're just, we're going out like every other week and replenishing on alcohol. We go out with our face mask and our scarves wrapped around. We look like we're about to rob Kroger yeah like, <laughs> give us beer. so yeah dude it's a crazy time i yeah. i feel like we haven't like talked about board games in forever because like yeah. we, we've done some virtual stuff we did the welcome to we played yep. a couple of things but like what yep. what's been on your board game radar recently
0: you know it's been like board games have been really tough i've been i've been playing arkham horror the living card game both you and i have been uh playing that together Um, So we just recently finished our, just like the beginner campaign. Uh, It's just like three uh, sessions long or missions long or whatever. It leads kind of well into our like uh, deck building topic for tonight. So we'll get it. We'll kind of, it'll kind of come back up later tonight. But I I really enjoyed that game and I like, I like co-ops a lot. And so I haven't played a cooperative living card game. So it was kind of like, uh, it kind of has like a niche application there that I really enjoyed.
1: Yeah, I I played the Arkham Horror with you, which I, I did really enjoy the game. I did look it up on VGG, and it says the recommended player count is two. Um, oh wow! <laughs> which, <laughs> we had four. Yeah, we had four, and it did suffer with a lot of downtime. I thought with that, and we mm-hmm. were playing on tabletop, which I think probably makes it go a little bit slower as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so each one of our sessions was like three and a half to four hours.
0: Yeah, yeah, and some of that would have been like, with imp- some of that, sorry, some of that would have been impacted by how long it took us to like set up. You know, that's the other thing. The and, and but I but I think like even if you weren't on tabletop, the our setup time took a long time because we were trying to like load our decks in from Arkham from the. My from internet the connection is crap. Yeah, your internet connection is crap, so we're like losing you on tabletop. Tabletop simulator is also super overloaded right now with everyone at home, so that's what made ours long. But I could see how like at home, just like setting up the scenario, getting the right components. out, sort of like Loomhaven or something like that could probably take a while.
1: Oh, absolutely, and it. It, it's just like it's such a unique like you were saying it's so it's such a cool way to have a co-op lcG that that yeah. I think worked really really well. I would like to try another character. I think okay. I, I like the support, but my turns felt very very straightforward. like I knew exactly what I was gonna do pretty much the entire game. Yeah and yep. so I played uh Daisy so yep. if any if anyone's familiar, Daisy's the librarian. And I just, you know, I just ran support. I could give pretty much anyone any, <laughs> anything, which was kind of yeah. fun, but it would be kind of cool to carry around a Tommy gun at some point. So,
0: Yeah, yeah, a little step <laughs> away. And so we talked about this game for longer than I meant to, so I want to kind of go back and just explain exactly what it is for anyone who's, like, not familiar. Um, so Arkham Arkham Horror, uh, the living card game, you're, you come in with a, you, you build a character, you build a deck for yourself uh, before the game starts. Um, and then through the each mission, you're playing with that deck. And it's it's cooperative. You're sort of, uh, each mission will be different. You're exploring different locations. You're fighting monsters that are coming up. Um, and the the mission is getting closer to ending with some bad effect happening. Uh, but you're also closer to beating the mission. It'll give you some sort of objective, collect a certain number of clues or, or something like that to get you closer to to finishing the objective. And then at the end of the mission, you all get experience and you get to like power up your decks for the next time that you have a mission together.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a really, really cool concept. So, for what I've been doing recently, I kind of like, it's been a while since Dalton and I have talked about board games, and we have like a OneNote document, or a OneNote notebook that just says like everything, board game, fantasy, and some flights in it. Yep. And I just go in there and I just like write down the bullet points that I want to talk about on the next podcast episode. <laughs> so, <laughs> there, there's a couple of them, so we'll rapid fire here. Uh, yeah, you'll so have to, can, like,
0: send them to me so that when I make the show notes, it'll just, you know, I can just copy them in. Oh, absolutely. yeah, 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 <laughs> I'll, I'll
1: do that, I'll do that. So, the first off, been doing, like, a couple, of like, trades and everything, and I got in a trade Age of Steam, which we played four times, I think, and three of them incorrectly. Uh <laughs> <laughs> But, that's, but like we a, finally...
0: that's like a staple for us learning board games, though. They get played wrong the first several
1: times. And in the, the last game that we played all the rules correctly, my wife under, misunderstood the scoring, which was a little Aww. frustrating. Yeah, that's but, sad. but what I really like about Age of Steam, so Age of Steam is a train game where you're operating like a uh, a train company, and it's a pick-up-and-deliver mechanism. So you're building tracks, and you're trying to move different goods to different cities on the map. and you know, it's very, it's kind of interesting. It's one of these games where there's nothing in front of you. So like a lot of the games now you have like a player board or you have something that you're doing here, um, like right in front of you. But in age of steam, there's really nothing like that. The only thing in front of you is your money and everything that's going on is on the board. So it is very like interesting because there's nothing that there's no surprises really. Um, it, it's all very, and it's very cutthroat. <laughs> it yeah, is cutthroat. That's your favorite type of favorite favorite type of game. What I also really like is that there, are, there's over a hundred expansions listed on Board Game Geek, and what yep. the expansions are are just different maps that you can play on, and a lot of these maps are available for print and play, which is pretty cool. So we, I messed up and I forgot to leave some of the podcast stuff at Dalton's house before the quarantine, and so I, I went over to FedEx and I shipped them, like the mic stand and everything, so that we could actually start recording during <laughs> quarantine. And mm-hmm. while I was there, I uh, I had them print out one of the print and play maps, and so we printed oh, out the like Montreal the big paper. Yeah. yeah, so we printed out the Montreal Metro map, which is a map that is specifically designed for three players, and it, it's good. It it was so tight, it felt so stressful. I was, like, I de-stressed like three days later. Like, <laughs> it was, it was, it was impressive. But it, it was just a really cool like idea that you can like pay five bucks and print and have an entirely basically new game because it changes up the rules it changes up wow a lot so it it was just really really cool to do that i always
0: love when a game like small world does this when a game customizes a map for a number of players and i understand like age of steam like it's not like strict right like you could play more players on that map or is it like actually just you have to play three players on this map
1: uh most expansions are uh three to six players this one is specifically only three player gotcha
0: yeah and that's like i I love that because um small world does it but it has to because in small world the concept is you're you're all like races that are competing for territory and the amount of territory is limited and so there's always someone who doesn't have enough space and is trying to expand because it's a small world after all and so now now the readers have that stuck in the listeners have that stuck in their head for the rest of the podcast um, mm-hmm. But anyway, so like they have to customize the map size.
1: In my head too,
0: so that the game like functions at all, so that the game works at all. But I've like I haven't heard of that concept where uh, the game could be played on. You know, for multiple players on like different size maps or whatever, but they've chosen specifically to print specific maps for a specific. That's just a really cool concept.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely something that once this whole thing gets lifted, we're we're gonna have to sit down and play. We're gonna have to like have. We're gonna have to take all the vacation that we were not able to take during this quarantine and just take it and just play a bunch of board games because I feel dude. like we need to just play board games together, dude. But no joke, I was actually thinking, thinking that exact same thing. I was like, I was like,
0: we need to because you're right i'm like banking all this pto that i haven't used yet I, so i was thinking about that as an application for that i was like maybe we should just take off like a like a monday and a tuesday or something and play like four days of board games to catch up um, cuz we have it's so hard to play like complicated games over like zoom or whatever your medium is right we played food chain magnate that actually worked pretty well
1: it it did what, it did it worked really yeah. well i had like an excel surprising. document it was
0: surprising yeah I had an excel document where i was like i was managing my like management structure you know trying to like keep that straight And and it it, like it still wasn't as fun. You know, you had to have like a camera set up so I could see the board and then you had your own stuff going on. So I couldn't really like see what you guys were doing. And I had to have like the board blown up on my zoom view. So I couldn't really see your guys' faces as well. So it's not as fun, but it was like still fun to play a complicated game. But besides that, I'm like, I'm totally starved for, you know, terra terraforming Mars. I'm starved for Gaia Project. You know, I want to play more Spirit Island. There's
1: a there's a long list. And I think that's the other problem that I have with tabletop simulator is I I enjoy board games because I enjoy like the human interaction, and with tabletop simulator it's just hard to get that. Yeah, for sure. So, but right.
0: it's better than nothing. But it's not
1: it's not the same. Yeah, we'll we'll have to we'll have to set something up when all this craziness blows over. Sounds good. Uh, so the other the other game that I wanted to talk to you about is uh is a game that I bought like right before the quarantine started from my uh, friendly local game store, my FLGS, that's Brass Birmingham, which <laughs> yes. is the game that you said that you wanted to play at one of those uh, monthly game nights with your work, and yeah, we yeah. have to play that game. That game is phenomenal. It is definitely flirting with my fifth position. On that's amazing. My top five. It is. We played it a couple nights ago. I think we've played it three times now over the, in, during the quarantine, but Brass, Brass is phenomenal. So Brass, you're like competing entrepreneurs and you're you're trying to build up different industries and you can sell these industries to like different ports and everything and so it's kind of interesting because there are i think five different like industry tiles or six different industry tiles and these could be things that you can sell things that help you build more things that help you move goods or sell goods and I, I've looked at that game and I was like, I cannot find a strategy that is better than another strategy. It all depends on the board state and how other players are playing, which is oh, wow. just, I mean, it's fourth on Board Game Geek and I think there's a reason for that. Yeah, So
0: yeah. that sounds like the ideal strategy game, right? Where where you have to make decisions every and they're always relevant. Every turn is relevant.
1: In a three-player game, you get 18 turns in the game, which is okay. uh, 35 actions. You have 35 actions the entire game. The game takes about probably two and a half hours. And so you can tell that just like every action is crucial. And like yeah. there have been times where I've looked back and I'm like, I am, I, I am so glad I did not take that action. If I had taken that action, I would have lost this game. Wow. Yeah. And it's just kind of cool to think back on that. And so my next point is that I told you that Brass is flirting with the top five. We do have a change in Nelson's top five. Yeah. So, yep. Yep. So Scythe has been kicked out of the top five, uh-huh. uh huh, and it, coming in at the number three spot. So Mage Knight was pushed to number five, number three. Spirit Island. I Spirit love Spirit Island. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. It's so good. We we played it earlier tonight actually, and so we we have now eleven games logged this year, which is like nineteen hours of Spirit Island played. And yeah, wow, in the last like four and a half months. Yeah. And, oh man, it is. It's so good. I, I love all the different variable powers. I love that it's a cooperative game. You're like this demigod, like protecting your island. The the board is modular for, you know, multiple different players. And we, we started playing with the new expansion, or not the new expansion, the Branch and Claw expansion, which adds like beast, disease, and uh, strife, which are just like different actions or different like allies in, okay. in the game. And there's different ways that you manipulate that and stuff, and I love this game, and my wife loves this game, and so we just play this game a lot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, like, um, you know, co-op games are, are very high in our, like, favorite... If we were going to do, like, favorite genres, I think co-op games would, would be ranked very highly for both of us. Um, so I'm not surprised that, like, that you like it that much, but I also... Like what other co-op games, Mage Knight, I guess, is a co we treat it as a co-op game. We don't really play the competitive portion of Mage Knight, but are there other, that's the only like co-op game in your top five, right? Yeah, that, that is correct. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I don't know. I've, I played, Spe- and we've talked a lot about Spirit Island. I played it for the first time like a couple years ago, um, but I didn't know like really anybody that owned it. And then, um, so I kind of like dropped out of it, but I was, and, and also because it's kind of a, it's kind of a tough game to learn. It's a, it's a. Because like first of all, the rule book is really complicated, and I think we've talked about that before. But even even past that, just kind of getting the flow of it is a little. It's a little. It's not clunky, but it's just it, it's unnatural. Maybe might be a way to describe it at first. And so when you first kind of like play through it, I think the people that I played with didn't like it. And I was like, I loved that game. I thought that was really cool. Um, so it was a long time since I played, it, and I was I was super excited when you picked it up. And but I've only played like the very basic games. I've never played with any of the adversaries. I've never played with like the other challenges that the game kind of lets you optionally include.
1: So I'm really excited to try those. Yeah, we'll we'll do that in our board game marathon extended weekend, or we'll, we yeah. need to come up with a clever name and like live tweet it. So this this will be kind of interesting because this is the closest recording to release that we've ever done. Yeah,
0: quarantine kind of chewed up our uh our our bank of recorded podcasts. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Previously, it was you know it was a couple weeks from the time we recorded the time it was actually released, and this time it'll be much closer.
1: And I I was actually thinking about that with our last episode, our Gloomhaven episode that we released mm-hmm. and our uh, narration styles episode that we were released. Yeah. We, we talked, we we're in the same room. We talked about driving up, you know, I, to set the record straight, we recorded that well before the quarantine went into effect. So we are law buying yeah. citizens. <laughs> but I just wanted to, I was yeah, thinking about I think that. I was like, oh, this kind of sounds weird. I, yeah, yeah.
0: Because yeah. I think the Gloomhaven episode, we talk about it being like 11 degrees or something like that. That I is sure true. Think it's I'm April 1. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> April now. Yeah, we recorded that in like January or February. So, Which I mean, why. we
1: do live in the Midwest, so that's not completely yeah. out of the picture. <laughs> that's true. It snowed last week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was beautiful weather. We had a tornado. It snowed. And it was cold <laughs> for like a week. And now it's warm again. And it's... I hope it stays warm. I hope it stays warm. So, hope it stays warm. You want to talk about deck building?
0: I want to talk about icebreakers.
1: Oh, yeah. Shoot. That's, <laughs> you your, mean, that's, it your job. that's why it's not in my like little outline here. Oh, yeah. Yep.
0: Okay. Yep. Yeah.
1: Ice, icebreakers. I remember that. Yep.
0: Icebreaker question. So, um, we're kind of starting. I don't know if we're going to do this fully as a series. We don't, you know, we're not excellent podcasters, so we don't have this fully planned out. But this Yeah. I Okay, fine. I don't have this one really we <laughs> planned out. But this idea where we're going to take a specific, maybe mechanic might be a good word for it. You could also consider it like a genre, but mainly a mechanic, kind of explain it, dive into it, what we like about it, pros and cons, and, and explain some of the better uh, examples of the use of that mechanic. Um, and we've talked about the first one that we wanted to do was deck building. That was our first application of a mechanic. And so I wanted to ask you, um, out of the mechanics that we that we know of, the ones that we're looking at, which one are you most
1: excited to talk about? Huh, okay. Now I have to think of all the mechanics that I know and which ones. Yeah, which ones do you like, which ones do you don't like? So I think that probably the one that I'm most excited about is probably mainly skewed because it's probably my favorite type of game. And that would be like resource management, where like okay. you, you have like these resources like in Gaia Project, right? I think of that as a resource management game where you have... What is it, three different types of res four different types of resources, and you're trying to figure out how to best allocate those resources to, you know, carry out actions and get victory points. And what what's really cool about this is that you can really scale the difficulty or the complexity of the game based on the amount of resources that you have. So like if you have, you know, just one or two resources, it can be a pretty simple game. I can't think of one off the top of my head right now because I'm coming in at this blind, but there are <laughs> but there are games where you know the the entire game is basically about how do I manage my my resources? How do I get more resources? And how do I manage those resources? Yeah, this um, might be
0: like a weird application of that, but maybe wingspan. Only because yeah, like, you I have, could see like, wingspan. The,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah, like
0: it feels like a lot because you have like all of the the like different types of food and stuff that like allow you to play the. Um, the bird cards, but there's only, like, three of them. And really, I always find that, like, the eggs are also kind of limiting, you know? So, it's, like, it feels like a... It's not small in number of resources, but it is small in, like, maybe portion of the game.
1: Yeah. 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 Wingspan is a good one. I, I would throw, like, Century Spice Road in, in that category. Have you played Century Spice Road? I have, yeah. Yeah. So, Century Spice Road is, like, another trading spices in the Mediterranean game, right? So, you got, you know, different cubes that you're, you're going to buy... I, I believe I haven't played this in forever, so I'm probably butchering the rules. But you're gonna like basically buy different action cards, which allow you to convert x amount of cubes into y amount of cubes. And typically, that's a that's a ratio that you have to play with. And then you have to build like an engine. And so may, maybe my my answer is morphing more into like an engine builder. <laughs> okay, system, <laughs> where like I just like the resource management combined with the engine builder. So like you start off with nothing, and then you have to like build it up so that at, towards the end of the game, you're doing a lot more because of what you have acquired throughout the game. I think, yeah, yeah I'm going to change my answer to engine building. Yeah, uh, <laughs> okay. Because a lot of these games that I'm describing just are engine building games. Wingspan is a great example of a engine building game. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I think for for me, I struggle a little bit with like the distinction between is this a is this a mechanic or is it like a genre of game. Um, so I think my like easy cop out answer would be co-op games um oh
1: I'm, yeah, that would be a good one,
0: yeah, yeah, I'm really excited to talk about cooperative games, um one because it's like again, it's like one of our it's one of our favorite genres, but it's also I think it's not necessarily easy to do well because when you are playing a cooperative game, all of you are on the same team, so then it's like, okay, well, what gives you a sense of like success, and it's like, well, beating the game, well, beating the game when it's easy is not. Uh, rewarding right you like you want the game to be hard so then there's this interesting balance of like how hard do we make the game you know there's like betrayer mechanics that can come into play there's there's just a lot that there's a lot of uh i guess granularity there's a lot of room to play in co-op games you know is there is it is the objective cooperative but the players are actually like competing against each other right something like uh something like dc or, or legendary or dc deck builder or uh mage knight which we've talked about already tonight a little bit. So I think that that's the one that I think we'll, we'll get kind of a lot of mileage out of. And again, it's just we play a lot of games from that genre because it's like a favorite of ours. Um, so I think we'll be able to kind of go on and on about it. I'm, I'm yeah, no, I,
1: I'm actually really excited for that. I'm glad you brought that up because we, we should definitely do that one soon because now I, I'm like, ooh, I just want to talk about co-op. <laughs> so in your opinion, is Terraforming Mars a co-op game? No. You're all working <laughs> towards the same objective. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> it okay, doesn't okay, get it. That's fair. <laughs> You in terraforming
0: uh, Mars, you end the game together, but the game will <laughs> end so long as you're playing cards. So no,
1: <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Okay, yeah. So I'm glad you brought back up the icebreaker because I completely forgot about that because it was not my week, so I did not put it in my notes. So it's okay, where I was just I was just ready to get into deck building. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> so now that we've talked about the icebreaker, uh, now are you ready to talk about deck building? Now I'm ready. Building? Yeah. Yep. Take it away, so, buddy. I did I did a lot more research on this one than I did on the previous podcast, and that's mainly just because I have a lot more time on my hands than I previously <laughs> yeah. have, but I think it would be like best to start out with kind of what I found as like the definition of a deck builder or yeah. deck building. Yeah, so it's the process of creating a flat surface capable of supporting weight, similar Damn to it. a floor, but typically constructed outdoors, <laughs> often elevated from the ground and oh usually God, connected so to gross. a building. Yeah. Well I I just want to give the the audience the full feeling of what a deck builder is or a deck building. Uh, it reminds me of like reminds me of like
0: Michael Scott. <laughs> like like uh, giving what is he giving a toast at like payment yeah. wedding? Wedding is a process of bonding two metals together or whatever he says.
1: Yeah. I usually like to go through like one or two or two or three openings before yeah. I uh, <laughs> <laughs> before I start the speech. <laughs> it turn,
0: it turns out this is actually a, a podcast about The Office.
1: Oh man, I love that show. But <laughs> okay, yeah, I that I is like, not what we're talking about tonight. I I, I, I like searched it. And I was like, oh, yep, that's going in there. So <laughs> I have built a deck. What?
0: I said I have built a deck. Oh yeah, yeah, and you know, like we physically, were, like out in my yard. Yeah, I've yeah. It. It's, it's a really I nice. I deck. didn't look. Thank you. I did not look up the definition though when I when I did that. I looked up like what a what a joist is and that sort of thing but i didn't look up the definition of deck building so this is this is new information for me
1: so so what we're actually talking about is the game mechanic the deck building game mechanic dalton i actually didn't write down a definition i, I stuck to my <laughs> deck building definition so i want you to explain what deck building is in your I'll own give it a words shot.
0: yeah i'll give it a shot so i don't i don't know how to like wrap it into a succinct definition but i'll tell you like attributes about it yeah <laughs> uh, a deck building game has a mechanic where you have a deck of cards and typically are... everyone
1: starts with the same deck of cards yeah
0: yeah, so... yeah i would say that's typically true you are so you're starting with a with a deck of cards and then purchasing or otherwise acquiring and by, i say purchasing it could be through an action that allows you to get extra cards or something like that but you're, you're somehow acquiring additional cards that are then shuffled into your deck that you continue to play throughout this game so that as you play through the game, you're sort of upgrading your own deck. Um, and then usually there's some sort of trade off either. Well, there's one or two things. Either you are trying to tailor your deck to accomplish some objective, um, or you are having to fight some sort of trade off so that your deck, um, becomes worth victory points at the end of the game. Um, when we talk about deck builders, um, sort of the iconic example and I believe for my research at least the original example uh, would be Dominion and we've talked a lot about Dominion before um, I talked about it earlier how our, our work group plays Dominion every Friday and it is it's, it's a phenomenal game there's like what like 9 or 10 expansions out now to it something like that
1: they just put on a new one which is Menagerie and I've yep. heard really really good things about that expansion yeah like, i played a couple I, I, things I, from it
0: and I like it a lot
1: it is, yeah, because yeah. like the everything after like Dark Ages, I wasn't super thrilled about, but I've heard really, really good things about Menagerie.
0: Yeah, Menagerie is a lot of fun, and so Dominion we've talked a lot about, but what you actually do, sort of the the theme is that you are a noble of an I shouldn't say noble because there's actually a card called Nobles, um, but they, you're 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 some sort of noble for um, for an estate, and you are expanding your Dominion, and so you. Uh, you can purchase money, copper, silver, gold. You can purchase land, um, estates, duchies, provinces. And, and your the land you own as you expand your dominion, that's your victory points. Um, and then you also can purchase these action cards, which will do different things for you. They might draw you more cards. They might get you more money. They might attack other players. There's a, there's a variety of things that they can do. But at the start of the game, you only have money and land. And you buy those action cards. You buy the money. You buy the land, which is worth victory points. At the end of the game, you're hoping to be the noble that out of everyone at the table who has the most victory points
1: yeah and dominion to me is like the core is like the essence of a deck builder there is pretty much no other mechanic built into dominion that is not deck building so on your on your turn that's all you do yeah yep you buy one maybe more cards but typically it's about one card and you put it into your discard pile when you run out of a deck and this is true for pretty much every deck builder basically you you buy a card it goes into your discard pile which is the pile that is not your current deck so that that's one of the vocab words that i had written down was like a discard pile which yep. is just the the cards that you're not drawing from when your current deck runs out you then shuffle your discard pile and then it becomes your new deck and so when the the kind of the idea is that you're buying cards you don't get an immediate typically you don't get an immediate effect for buying cards or adding cards to your deck But after you've kind of gone through your deck a little bit and you get to shuffle your new cards back in with your old cards. The things that I look for when I'm looking for a deck builder is the presence of a limited access to the cards that you have. So if you have a deck of 50 cards, you're probably drawing like five or six cards from that deck to take your action with. And so, we we left out, like, you were talking a little bit right before the podcast, we left her out, like, what we would consider, like, a hand builder, which would be, yep. like, Spirit Island, where you have yep. all Bloodborne, these cards that do... be maybe another example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you have all these cards that do actions, but you have access to every single card. So, there, there's, there's not necessarily randomness um, in which cards you have access to that turn, because, like, there isn't a deck builder. So, like, the deck builder, you know, you have a stack of cards, and it's randomly... What are you drawing from that deck to be able to take your action?
0: Yeah, yeah. And I would, I would say kind of like, a, again, you're talking about defining characteristics, that feeling of sort of playing the odds, playing the statistics of the deck, right? Um, if we're going to stick on Dominion as an example for a second, there you on Dominion you get one action, which means you can play one action card. Um, then there are cards which will get you additional actions and there are cards that don't. And so we call cards that don't give you an additional action a terminal action, meaning that if you play this card, that's the last action that you can play that that game or that turn. And so then there's a balance that you sort of sort of strike between buying terminal actions and buying ac- cards that give you additional actions so that you can continue to play cards, right? But then on any given turn, you're only drawing in Dominion five cards typically. So you're kind of playing the odds of like, okay, how many terminal actions are in my deck? How many like additional actions are in my deck? And So that on any given turn, I might draw the right balance and have a really good turn and be able to buy something really expensive, and hopefully that helps me win the game.
1: And I I love talking about Dominion as a description of deck builders just because it does everything so well, right? Yep.
0: Yeah. I, I would totally agree that we're getting out of characteristics now and into maybe what makes someone good at a deck builder. And in a lot of deck builders, that is understanding when the game will end Um, that becomes very 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 important because a lot of deck builders are forcing you to choose this trade-off between buying better cards and cards that will like win you the game right Uh, like we were talking about dominion i think other examples that like could that could sort of force that same trade-off and now we're actually getting a little bit into into cooperative um, things but something like legendary or uh, dc deck builder both of those have a mechanic where You have a type of card that gets you money. And money is what you use to buy better cards. And so there comes a point in the game where you need to understand, okay, the game is ending soon. I can no longer buy cards that get me money so I can buy better cards. I'm kind of like, I kind of have what I have. I'm kind of stuck with this level of money. And every card I need to buy from now on needs to contribute towards winning the game. I mean, in Legendary, for instance, if I'm going to stick with that, you're trying to like defeat villains. And Legendary is Marvel themed. And so you're playing... Um, with you know spider-man and captain America or, or like whoever iron man you and it's not just the Avengers it, it can be uh it, it can be the x-men and there's a couple different expansions that give you access to different characters in the Marvel universe but you are using your these cards which are representative of the superheroes to deal damage to enemies and that's that's how you win the game um, so there comes a point where you have to switch from being able to buy cards to being able to play cards that do damage so that you can like actually win the game
1: what you just said about buying the expansions that adds more cards reminds me of a point that I wanted to bring up where another interesting about deck builders, a lot of deck builders have like a, a, a common supply of cards that you can buy from. So like Dominion, okay, you pick yep. like 10 cards from all of the expansions. Like you can play, you can mix and match expansions, you can do whatever you want, but you pick 10 cards. So just to kind of give a little bit of a definition of a supply, a supply is whatever cards are available for purchase during your turn. Where like Dominion, a fixed supply, is they're, they're always the same cards to be purchased, and other games, those cards rotate in and out. You you probably have a better idea of how many like cards there are in Dominion, but we're probably... Yeah, a lot. <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> I a mean, couple hundred. Yeah, a couple hundred, but out of those hundred, you're picking ten, and those are the cards that you're playing with that game. Now, th- those ten cards probably have a stack of ten duplicate cards, so like if you're playing yes. with Village, you're playing with ten copies of Village, so... So that that's one part of the deck builder, and like with Legendary, you're playing with the Hulk, and and you shuffle his cards into the deck, and so it, every game can feel different because you're playing with different cards. Yep. The yep. And I think Dominion and Legendary, um, kind of like highlight the other uh, point that I wanted to make of like different types of deck builders. Like Dominion is the the original deck builder. It's it's the core deck builder, which you know, everyone has access to the exact same cards pretty much all the time until they run out, right? Yes, that that's a fair statement. And so, on my turn, if I have three money, I can buy card X. And if it goes to Dalton for his next turn, if he has card, if he has three money, he can buy card X again. So that that's that's like what I would I I kind of wrote it in my notes as like a fixed supply where yeah. the cards don't change. And that's different in Legendary, or that's different in a couple other deck builders that we'll get into, where on my turn i can i have a selection of cards to buy from and when i buy that card it goes away and then a new card flips up and so that's like a variable supply so yeah
0: yeah we would call that one specifically like a river right where yeah. It, yeah, yeah. it like a, a card gets taken and so now there's a vacant space in these like five or six cards
1: that are in the river and everything and the, and then it gets like kind of filled in behind it some deck builders do it so that if you when you buy a card it immediately fills so you have access to that card some of them wait till the end of your turn and so yeah. there, there's a couple of different applications for that but those are the kind of two schools of deck building that I thought of I think the one the river is probably more common in mm-hmm. games but because it, it's a little bit probably easier to design to do it that yeah. way because if you're doing Dominion, you have to balance a bunch of cards with a bunch of other cards. And you just have to be able to have it work. Where if you're looking at five cards to buy, and you buy it and it goes away, then the next card comes out. Um, it's a little bit easier, I think, on a design side to do that. It's also yeah. easier for a player. Like I think of, like if, if you're comparing direct, if you had a Dominion, that was the, the way Dominion is played where there's a fixed supply of cards. Uh, versus, if you played Dominion as a river style, where you would like pull out five cards and you would buy them, I think the Dominion with the fixed style of cards would be highly more strategic, in the fact that you're trying to think of like long-term strategy, and like the river is highly is more tactical, where you're like, what's the best card to buy, you know? Yeah, for my deck yeah. at this time. Yeah. And so, yeah. The
0: the game that um sort of intro. We were talking a lot about the river, so I just wanted to throw throw this out there. The game that sort of introduced the concept of the river as far as i can tell would be ascension i don't know if you've played ascension
1: i have not um, but i've i've heard about it
0: yeah it was designed by some some competitive like international com- internationally competitive magic the gathering players um, and so it kind of has that feel that you're talking about where where it has a it's it's a deck builder it's it's truly a deck builder and you might honestly you might be able to think of it of like if magic the gathering instead of being we would call Um, magic the gathering and games like it we would call that a trading card game right where you have theoretically as a player you have access to every card in the world so long as you can afford to buy it or trade for it Um, and then you build your deck out of that and you come into the game and you play the game with that deck that you have already built um, based on whatever you could buy and and so you could think of ascension as sort of like a deck building game if magic the gathering was a deck building game Um, but it has that kind of what you're describing of that that very tactical decision very very live action decisions whereas in dominion you sort of you 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 start the game you look at every card that's out in the supply that's available and more or less you kind of make your strategy and you run with it and you hope that you're right
1: when i sit down at a game of dominion and i look at the supply i pretty much know what cards i'm going to buy that game and what cards i'm not going to buy that game i I, like i sit down and like okay i'm going to run this this and this strategy Mm -hmm. and just like maybe that flexes a little bit depending on what other players are doing but Dominion's a very solitary game i think i think but like with a game like Ascension where that varies you can't sit down and say i'm going to try to do this strategy because if you do that that that's just not a good strategy you're probably not going to win
0: right yeah exactly because you need to be making those live adjustments as you go
1: yeah the other the other like concept of a deck builder that i wanted to talk about with like trashing cards so we talked about the discard pile Uh, which is like when you play cards or when you buy cards, they typically go to your discard pile, which is the pile that when your deck runs out, you'll shuffle and you'll draw from again. The the other concept is trashing cards, and we call it trashing because Dominion calls it trashing, and we typically explain games using rules from other games because that's just how we explain games now. But trashing a card basically means you're removing it from your deck or your discard pile typically removing it from the game and so it's a way of thinning your deck because you want the new cards that you're buying to get shuffled into your deck quicker so you're going to want to trash those cards that's one of the hardest concepts for like new players to like wrap their head around i think is the difference between discarding and trashing a card Uh, yeah so
0: yeah and and also like to understand why it's good you know because like dominion has an iconic card chapel which came out in like the original game set which just says trash four cards and it's really hard when you're a new player to understand like why that's good, but you're exactly right. It's because I'm now drawing my powerful cards more often. Um, so with a card like Chapel in Dominion, you start with 10, 10 cards. with Chapel, you can keep that to a very, very minimal deck size, whereas in other games of Dominion, I might end with like 20, 30, 40 cards. In a game where I you know I'm using Chapel, I might only end with like 10 or 20, and that means that I'm drawing those really powerful cards like really frequently. Um, Do you play a lot with Chapel? of games.
1: I'm sorry. I'm sorry, continue. I thought you were finished with your...
0: Oh, all I was going to say is that a lot of a lot of games copy that mechanic um, because it becomes such an integral part of controlling my deck, being able to build my deck to choose what is in it and what is not. It becomes really important.
1: Yeah. Do you play with Chapel? Like, is that a standard card that you would shuffle in with when you're playing with your work group? Or do you ban yeah. that card? No, okay. we,
0: we, we play with it. There are a couple games where, where Chapel doesn't win like uh, big money can make a difference. So in Dominion, there's like, um, and we've been talking so much about Dominion, but there's, there's, there's a, one of the expansions introduced like higher levels of money and higher levels of victory points, which take longer to get to. Um, so if everyone is doing that, sometimes that can affect the chapel players will be very fast. A, a, a deck that's using that card will be very fast. And so that, that can impact its ability to win. Also, if there are too many cards out there that can add cards to players' decks, sometimes a, a card like chapel could be overwhelmed. Another example might be a card like uh, militia, which will limit your hand size, and so or, and there's a lot of examples of attack cards like that that will limit your hand size. And a deck that that has been reduced down to basically just like money and victory points can be can kind of struggle against that. Um, so if it doesn't have the right strategy, it can kind of fall behind. So we continue to play with it, but it is strong enough to where if there are if it is out there, there's it's almost guaranteed that several of the players at the table will
1: be using it. Yeah. So going back to trashing, you said it was such an integral part of a lot of deck builders and like Harry Potter uh, Hogwarts Battle, which is the cooperative yep. deck builder where you're, you know, you're taking on the role of one of the, the the main four, which is Harry, Hermione, Ron, or Neville. You know, in the base game there was no trashing mechanism. There was there's no way to get cards out of your deck. And that really bothered me. Now the expansion fixed that. They they okay. call it banishing in, in the expansion, which is the monster book of monsters expansion. We still call it trashing because yeah. it's just easier to say, hey, I'm trashing this card because typically when you're sitting around a table, everyone knows what that means. Carcassonne coined the term meeple, and yeah. like people use meeple as a common word now, right? Where like people use trashing as a common word. They use discard where it maybe actually called something else in the specific rulebook, but at least in our game group, everyone just refers to it as trash. Because yeah, it's it's a common thing that everyone kind of knows and understands, and it's just way easier to say you banish the card. I'm just trashing the card.
0: Sure. I've been really interested
1: with how many deck
0: builders are available that are cooperative games. Like you mentioned, that um, Harry Potter is uh, an example of a cooperative game that is also a deck builder. It's sort of this like you know this meeting of two genres. And but there's there's several that fall into that. Legendary falls into that. Um, again, DC deck builder uh, falls into that, um, and Mage Knight, which which is currently in your in your top five still, it still holds a spot. Now, now several of those have a have an aspect where you can make it competitive, so you can sort of say, okay, the person who does the most killing, or something like that, or, or accomplish most uh, accomplishes the most the heroic. Objective. Yeah, the most heroic. The person who yeah. most closely accomplishes the objective, they're the winner. But I but I really dislike that because. You know, I really like about, and again, Harry, Harry Potter, Hogwarts Battle really highlights this, that you can buy support cards. You know, and you and I both like we we enjoy support roles in different games. But Harry, whereas like, uh, whereas like Dominion and some other games will have like attack cards, where a card that I play has a negative effect on other players. Some of the uh, cooperative deck builders will have cards that benefit either like benefit both players or just like strictly benefit the, your your teammates. And those are really, really, really fun to play with. That's one of my like favorite applications of a deck builder.
1: So some some of the like concepts that I've seen that don't necessarily show up in Dominion that but show up in other games uh, would be like trashing a card for a greater effect. So like if you have a really okay. good card, um, and and I see this a lot in like the deck builder Star Realms, which is a it's a two player head to head game where it's. Um, you're you're building a fleet of ships to try and take down your opponent by dealing damage to their their life points there are a lot of really good cards in star realms where you want to keep them in their your deck because they're they're it's a really really good ship but it's like you know it's maybe it's do three damage and draw a card then after you play that card you have the ability to trash that card and do an additional five damage and so that's that's a very interesting decision to make it's like okay i'm gonna remove this amazing card from my deck in order to do five more damage when is the right time to do that it's not always to kill them right like that would be a good time to use it right if you can win the game by trashing (laughs) trashing the enemy's gate is down do it but if you're like sitting there and it's like okay i'm probably not gonna ever draw this card again because the game is ending that's a good time to trash it so that i and I haven't played with like the last three expansions, so that may have been added to Dominion at some point. But I don't think of that as a mechanism in Dominion. Am, am no, I wrong?
0: no, it's yeah. There, there are some cards that that give it as an option. But I, the ones that I can think of, don't. Maybe it doesn't play to the same level of of that decision. Dominion sort of has the opposite decision of okay, like you were talking about. We call greening our deck, where it's like okay, I'm going to start buying. Um, victory point cards because victory point cards in dominion are green of when can i buy this um because i'm never going to draw it right so where, whereas you said like where i i can trash this now because i'm not going to have the opportunity to draw it again but dominion's like i'm going to buy this victory point card now because it's not going to matter i'm not going to i'm not going to draw this card again
1: the other the other mechanism that i kind of came up with when i was thinking about it that i did not see in dominion because i i i thought i was like this And the the way that this conversation has gone is exactly how I thought it was going to go. It's like we started, (laughs) we just talked about Dominion for a while. And so so I'm glad I made these notes. The, the, The next, the mechanism of like having cards play off of each other. Dominion does it a little bit, but I'm thinking more of like a faction card. So like you see this in Legendary a lot, or you will see this in like Star Realms a lot, where if you have, if you play two red cards, you unlock an ability on... The two red cards that you w- did not have access to, unless you played two oh, yeah, red yeah. cards. So, yep. legendary does that where it's like if you play two X Men in the same turn, you get three extra fight because you know they're fighting together, they're a team. Whereas if yep. you you know if you just play Wolverine, you only get two fight. But if you, if you come in and you play Storm, you get the two fight plus an additional three fight for a total of five fight on Wolverine plus Storm. And so you know it's a little bit of helping out and that that's a really cool thing that I have never seen done in like a fixed supply deck builder.
0: I don't think it's mainly
1: just like the, the rotating the supply or the river supply, because if it's a fixed supply, it's pretty, I I don't think it'd be as interesting because like when, when you have the river, you have access to like five, maybe six cards. You're like, I'm looking for X-Men this time or this game. I want to buy X-Men. And like, if Dalton and I are playing, it's like X-Men pops out. It's like, don't buy wolverine i am looking for a wolverine i need wolverine in my deck please don't right. buy him right whereas, yeah where you know that's that's a cooperative game so you can do that whereas in star realms you know if i'm running like a blue yellow deck someone may uh come in and like trash out a a blue card so i can't buy it yeah um because because they know you know blue blues all play off of each other they all have like similar abilities in star realms if I'm doing a lot of blue cards, someone may like come in with with like a, a green card or a red card and like trash that from the supply so I can't buy it because gotcha. they're playing off of each other because it unlocks gotcha. better abilities for me. Yeah.
0: What about um what about games that use deck building only as a portion of the game? So we've talked a lot about Dominion, Star Realms, we've talked about some of the uh, cooperative games, um, but there are lots of games out there that especially when they get into the like the complex side of like heavier games, heavy complexity games. Um, where they are using deck building, but there's a lot of other stuff going on. The best example would be Mage Knight, which we've talked to a little bit about already. Um, Mage Knight, you're coming in, um, and you have a a character that has some sort of asymmetric powers, so some of the deck building options that are available to you are specific to that character, which is really fun, um, sort of those variable character power or player powers, which we've talked about really enjoying. Um, what about, have you, played, uh, have you played Clank ever? Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah, that was another one on my list of like a game that contains deck building, but isn't only deck building. So when we talked about structuring the, the recommendations, we we're like, okay, we're well, we going to talk about deck building games. And this is uh, we got some feedback from my aunt who said, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of new to board games. It would be really helpful if when you guys are talking about different types of games, if you gave examples of sort of like a simple like medium and high complexity versions of those games, like what is your favorite a deck builder in this case that is that is simple that is just the core of it. What's one that's kind of like medium in, in complexity, and then one that is high in complexity. So that's what we kind of want to go through now, is to kind of close out this conversation of what what is our what is our recommendation for a simple deck builder. So, did you want to start us out?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I put two maybe three recommendations under each one just because I was I was afraid <laughs> that we would write down the same, and I wanted to have a backup ready to go. So. If I'm going first, I'm going to try and pick the one that I didn't think you were going to pick. And so okay. my my uh my recommendation for a low-complexity deck builder is Paperback, which...
0: Oh, okay. I've, I've never played Paperback.
1: Yeah. So Paperback is a game that I got pretty recently, probably in the last, like, four or five months, where it's a deck builder, which I am completely awful at. it's It's a, it's a game where you're building a deck, and the cards in your deck are different letters, or maybe it's two letters. And when you draw your hand, you're trying to make, like, the most complex word that you can. And the more letters you use, the more points you get to buy victory points or more letters. And what's interesting about paperback is that the victory points are also wild cards. So like if you buy a victory point, that's worth like five, five points. You can, if you draw that later, you can use that as any letter. It just doesn't give you any money to buy. Gotcha. It's a river style where, but it's, it's interesting because I've never really seen anything done this way it has it has a supply where two cards are available in each category and each category is cost either three four five six seven and so you always have access to really good cards and really bad cards um are not really bad cards but like cheaper cards mm-hmm. which, which is kind of interesting and uh typically your letters have abilities on them so like one of the really cool ones is like it's an s and if it says like if this is the last letter in your word draw one extra card next turn okay and so oh it 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 adds into the you know the decision space of okay where do I want this f to go if it's the first letter then I get to draw two cards next turn but I can spell a longer word if I put it at the you know in the middle I'm just a horrible speller so I I like don't have fun (laughs) but like well no I have a lot of fun I just don't win Um, yeah which is really interesting
0: I really like that mechanic for the river because one sort of pitfall of the river style where there's only a certain number of uh, cards available to you. Like we run into this in legendary all the time is you get to the end of your turn and you have all this money and you look down at the river and it's all just garbage. And you're like, and there's nothing like I had this great turn and there's nothing to buy, you know, or the opposite where like where you're, you're behind, you're really struggling. So you have, you're like, I just really need to get kind of back into this game. And you look at the river and everything's like super expensive. Uh, Now, some, a lot of times games that, if they have that they will come with some mechanic that allows you to manipulate the river or like remove cards from it or something like that. So sometimes there's a way to kind of like try to correct that, but it can be really frustrating. You know, the worst part of playing a board game is when you don't get to play the board game, right? So anytime you're trying to do something and you've set yourself up to be successful in doing that thing and it doesn't come through, it's super disappointing. And so I love that idea that okay, we're going to set kind of like the range of prices here. So that there's always, you'll always have something that you could try to do. That's a, that's a really great idea. Yeah. Do you have a, uh, do you have a mech rating for, um, for paperback?
1: Yeah. So I I have mechanics at a seven experience at a six and that's a personal experience just because I just get beaten into the ground every time I play it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's that Kentucky I, education, man. And spelling's hard. Oh yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have no idea. There there's a little there's a mechanism that you can have where you can basically give a player a victory point to help them with your word and I just haven't stooped that low. I'm just okay with losing by like forty points. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give someone a victory point so that I can lose by twenty. I would rather lose by forty. <laughs> yeah, so mechanics at a seven, mainly because of that 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 river style experience at a six, and then I had components at a seven and a half. And Mm -hmm. that's just because like, I really like the box. It's tiny and when it on the shelf, it looks like a, like a three books next to each other, which is kind of cool. And then also the, the, the cards just look very cool. Like it, it's just like a, it's like a stark letter. It's stark, like a stark yellow letter on a different color background. And I don't know why it's just so visually appealing to me that I rated it really high on (laughs) the components. But like, like if I, if I was being like, objective it'd probably be a little bit lower but i just like the way that it looks on the table yeah so yeah so that's my like simple or low complexity recommendation what's yours
0: yeah mine is we've talked already about harry potter hogwarts battle and that would be my simple recommendation and the reason is in in harry potter hogwarts battle you are and i'm getting so tired of saying that name it takes so long that's the worst part about the game though i promise
1: we just call it harry Um, potter yeah harry
0: potter in harry potter you are you're working through seven scenarios um, and those match the seven books. Um, and each one has a different objective that you're trying to meet. And they're very thematic. It's it's very, you know, what you're trying to do kind of matches what the characters are trying to do in that book. And, and the the creatures that you're fighting and that sort of thing, they also match that. It has a little bit of a legacy feel in that you're sort of opening boxes as you are working through the game. And it's adding complexity. It's adding game rules as you go. And so the reason I recommend it is because the very first mission in harry potter is is very simple it's 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 condensed down it's a very simple easy to understand deck builder and then as you work through by the time you're playing the seventh mission there's a lot going on and so you, what you are able to do is really important the way you're supporting your teammates are very important you're co- you need to be cooperating in order to like in order to beat the mission and honestly it's pretty hard like by the time you get to the end of it like if you win the seventh mission it's an accomplishment like it feels really you feel good, good. Absolutely, yeah, and so that's why I think I kind of I recommend it is because it kind of works you up and teaches you how to be good at a deck builder just by increasing the difficulty and increasing
1: the complexity with with each book with each mission as you go. That that's a great recommendation. I have that under my honorable mention section because I couldn't narrow it down far enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, I agree. And the other thing that I really like about Harry Potter is something that I like about in any board game that does it, and it's asymmetrical player powers yeah so like Hermione will play different than Ron, which will play different than Neville, and it it's just kind of cool, and you're also looking for different cards like Hermione is looking for spells and which is pretty thematic, right yeah and you know
0: um, and and then also it just like it maxes out on theme, right like it, it, we're we're a board game book podcast, you know, so anything that is going to incorporate both of them is going to be extremely highly rated in our theme and I just I love playing through and seeing you know the uh all the characters kind of kind of come up. And it's like, oh, like, now we're playing with, you know, Fleur de la Claire or whatever. And and there's, you know, there's all these characters that as you work through the game, like, kind of come in. Or characters that cards kind of change throughout the books or something like that. Um, where it's just really exciting to see those things grow and become more powerful. Or these other characters, like I said, to come in. and uh, Or even the, the bad guys, right? You're like, oh, now we're fighting, like, this bad guy who we, you know, who, like, when I was reading the books or when I was watching the movies, like, I just hated him. Like, I'm really excited to kind of take him down. So... Thematically, it's just, it's really, it's fair. It's excellent.
1: It, it does have the mechanism that we were talking about a little bit earlier where some cards play off of each other, and I'm mainly thinking of, like, the Weasleys. So, like, yeah, a lot of the Weasleys are, like, if you have another Weasley in play, you get a benefit, or if another player has another Weasley in their hand. And one of my favorite house rules of any game ever is that we have house rule that Fleur Delacour is considered a Weasley in when you're playing game seven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's such a great rule. <laughs> so, I, I love that. I, I don't yeah. know. I, I just think that's funny. I also think it's funny that both of our initial recommendations were about books like paperback and harry potter oh yeah yeah that's funny (laughs) we're just we're tying in both themes so what's your uh what's your mech rating for harry potter
0: yeah my mech rating for harry potter i had it at five in mechanics which may might sound low one reason why that is low um is that the game sort of struggles to scale towards the end like i wish you got to kind of take in your powerful cards every time into the into the higher level matches but you're always kind of stuck with the same beginning cards which like we talked about is kind of a characteristic of deck builders but it's also frustrating in the last game where you're like i need to be faster i need to be more powerful right now because there's all these bad things happening um and then also like you said I'm, I'm rating it only on the base game and it was missing that trash mechanic which i think is really critical in a, in a good deck builder um yeah and it's I, I, that unless you have the expansion
1: i also want to add in that towards the other thing that i think that it kind of fails in like game seven is that you never like remove cards when you're going through the game so like when you go to yeah. box 4 you add the box 4 or you uh, game 4 you add the game 4 cards uh, you don't remove the game 1 cards and so by the right. game 7 you're sitting with a giant deck and you're like I I need some I need some game 7 cards and they're just not coming out on that that right, river Right Right. And so I, I agree. You're like, oh the- look, I learned like Expelliarmus Like that's helpful now. <laughs> Aloha
0: mora. Cool. Alohamora, I can unlock doors now that I'm trying to fight, you know.
1: That's gonna help me defeat the Dark Lord. Yeah. <laughs>
0: exactly. Um so there so there's there's some problems, but it's honestly it's functional. It is a good game. It just has some room for improvement there. Um and then experience and components, I have it rated at seven each. Um, because again, like I love co op competitives, and then the components, they're themed for Harry Potter, which is just great. Um so on those fronts it hits it hits really highly.
1: And so what what does that bring the overall to?
0: Uh that brings the overall for me to a 6.4. So good, I'm always happy to play it and again it's it's a game that I'm happy to recommend. I think it also might struggle a little bit from replayability, which is one that kind of draw brought the experience down because once you play through it, it takes a decent amount of time to play through to be fair. Uh, but once you play through it, you're kind of like okay, I've kind of played through it. You know, it's kind of it's it doesn't have a lot to kind of bring you back again
1: yeah i agree the other thing that i've noticed about like my mech ratings and like your mech ratings is that it kind of like a good game is like a seven seven and a half where like if if i look at a game and it's rated like a seven it's like oh that's not that good but like what what i like about it's it kind of shifts that scale so that when you see a 8.5 you know that's a great game that's a phenomenal game so like when when you see it's like oh it's a six point five it's a six point four that doesn't mean it's a bad game that's still like above average and so yep. I, I've noticed that I'm like when I've gone in and I put all my Mac ratings in on BGG it's like this average rating is an eight you rated an eight or six point eight I was like eh, ooh, yeah that's like label <laughs> Am I a like, harsh critic Yeah <laughs> and I, I think we are but like what I like <laughs> is that it we're able to see what we what we like. So yep. let, let's do like a snake. So moving on to the medium complexity, what's your medium complexity recommendation?
0: Sure. My um my medium complexity recommendation, uh, we talked about Legendary a lot tonight, and it would, it would be that one. I think it's maybe partially because I am a little bit stuck on uh, cooperative games, and again, I'm stuck on the theme of like the Marvel heroes, but Legendary does a good job of letting you control the difficulty of the game, and that's another thing you know, we're not talking about co-ops tonight, but that's that's important in co-ops, and it does a good job of that. And then on top of that, it does a great job with expansions, with putting out new heroes that are fun and interesting to explore. Like you kind of already talked about, it has the me- the mechanism of um, building off of each other. So you kind of, as a party or as a group, have to make this decision of okay, who gets this card um, because I need my deck to be able to do this, and I can't do this right now. But it's more powerful in this other person's deck. So like, kind of, who has dibs? You know, that becomes like an important decision in that game.
1: Dibs, Spider-Man. Yeah, dibs, dibs Spider Man, dibs this card <laughs> 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 every time.
0: Every time there are players, certain players, unnamed, um, who will dibs every card that comes up <laughs> in the river. That's right, every single one. Um, but it, but it's, it's, it's honestly, it's a really fun game with a really great theme. There's a ton of replayability. Um, pretty good at a couple different like player numbers. Um, so that's why that came in at my medium complexity.
1: So, so mech rating for legendary. What it, what, what you, what, what do you got?
0: My mech rating for legendary and. Uh, I'll give you a hint. My average is seven point five, and that's because every category rated in a seven point five for me. Um, so that's again, impressive. I of, yeah, right. I, yeah, it was kind of an odd, kind of an odd occurrence. But when I think of the seven to eight, again, that's that's good. It's it's not excellent. There's room for improvement, but it's good. And that's that's where I consider legendary. I think anytime someone says, "Do you want to play legendary?" I'll be like, "Yes." And there are, there are times where I'm sitting looking at board games and I'm like, "Man, I haven't played legendary in a while. I'd love to pull that game out." It so it hits high on mechanics. You know, there's again, there's a couple of um a couple of things that can be improved but for the most part that the game functions really well it hits high on experience for replayability it hits high on components for the art on the cards for the theme you know it's just i would say not any single category is like groundbreaking not any single category is absolutely excellent which is why it kind of it kind of ranked in that this is good i i recommend it it is good um it's just not like some of my all-time favorites for some of those categories but yeah legendary is a great game i, I really enjoy. it
1: yeah. Uh so we we I wrote down two different recommendations for each category for this exact situation cuz I had legendary for mine as well. Oh cool. So so my uh my other one was Dominion, uh, which is which is the cop out answer, but I think that is a that that is a game that you have to play at least one time in your life, right? Yeah. That yeah. that is one of those games like there are a couple out there and Dominion is one and for the for the recommendation of the medium complexity Deck builder, Dominion, Dominion is probably, you know, right right there as you have to play this game. Uh yeah. my my we've talked about it a lot, so I'm not gonna dive I'm not gonna explain it anymore, but the uh the mech ratings that I have is mechanics is a six point five, experience is a seven and a half, and components is a seven for an overall of a seven point one.
0: Yeah. And the great thing I think about Dominion is that you can, when you buy the base game, you get a ton of replayability just in the base game. Like we talk about having nine or 10 expansions, but until you start playing Dominion for the hundredth time, you don't need that, right? You can play 10, 11, 12, 20 games of the base game and have a ton of replayability, you know, enjoy um, learning new strategies, kind of having to make those game time decisions. Um, when When you look at the board, you're like, okay, what does this combination of cards mean? Um, so it's a great game to to pick up as your first deck builder, and then to buy a couple expansions when you do a little research, find out what might be interesting to you in them. Yeah, it's it's a great recommendation for someone who is looking for that medium complexity. So that brings us then to the, to our what where we typically enjoy games is in the very very high complexity game. So what would be your uh, recommendation for higher complexity deck building games?
1: So this is actually. This was this was well actually this was very easy for me but it was really hard for me to come up with a second one, uh, yeah, <laughs> and and that's because like deck building I don't think of as a very very complex realm of board games to play in, yeah, um, and, and that, but like I think I know your answer so I'm gonna go to my backup and, okay. and my my backup is Clank or Clank in Space, okay, and so yeah, uh, it, it's not super heavy, it, it's 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 a little bit heavier but what Clank adds is it adds a like. You're 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 moving. You have a board, right? And so that that's like that extra level of difficulty. So you're you're building a deck to manipulate your figure on a board, and like Clank. I, I have now played Clank in space. I've heard that it's slightly better than Clank, which is more of a yeah. fantasy themed. But Clank is like you're you're diving into a dungeon to grab a treasure and get out before the dragon awakes, and the uh, it's kind of like a race because you can go for like the cheap treasure and then get out really quickly, and then all the other players have to try and get out you know, quick, if you don't get out, then you don't score any points. And so, but you can get like different, you can get like supplementary points along the way. And I've played it a couple times and I've, I've really enjoyed it every single time. They actually just put out, we just put out a couple months ago, Clank Legacy, where it's a, it's a legacy version of Clank. And I've heard amazing things about that. That may be something that I look at picking up because sure. I do enjoy the legacy portion of that. So how would you rank a uh, Clank on your mech rating? This is this is for Clank specifically, not Clank in Space. I, I rated the mechanics at a seven and a half. I rated the experience at an eight. I love playing Clank. I just I feel so good like going. I just, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it is about Clank. I just really enjoy like moving, and like doing that on Clank, and uh, the components at a seven and a half for an overall of a seven point eight. So yeah, it, it's it's one of the higher ranked games that I don't have in my collection. <laughs> I, yeah. I will say I, that. I, yeah. Yeah, I've been looking
0: at Clank for a long time. I've been looking at Clank in Space for a long time, just because it. Like when I read over it, I'm like, this has so many things that I love. You know, like I would, and, and I've oh, never yeah, tried the game. So I, I'm looking forward. That's a great recommendation, though. For me, I think it would be the <laughs> again a bit of a cop out. The one that we've talked about a lot would be uh, Mage Knight. Mage Knight, we've talked about a lot. I don't, I don't want to harp on it too much, but it's a great example of. I mean, first of all, it's a it's a Vlada game. We talk about um, Vlada. Um, Designs a lot of great games, designs code names, Galaxy Trucker, you know, several others, but he he does a great job of unique mechanics and unique concepts, um, kind of groundbreaking stuff. Mage Knight combines a lot of different genres, Um, so it is a very high complexity game, Um, it's a a game that takes a long time to play, Um, but it is also technically that cooperative deck building which I love. Um, I'm realizing now that all three of my recommendations were technically cooperative deck builders. So, <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so you might, there might be a bit of a trend there. But if you, if you are an experienced gamer, you, you're familiar with different um, game mechanics already. Um, you're willing to, to take you know, an hour or two to learn a game, to break the pieces apart, uh, and then spend, I don't know, four to six hours playing it on your first time through. Um, it's definitely one worth looking into, worth reading reviews on, worth watching YouTube videos about. Contact Nelson and I, and we'll, we'll try and play it with you. <laughs> <you're in> <laughs> oh, area, absolutely. That'd, that'd be awesome. We have never played a game with more than just the two of us. You know, We've never played a game. like. Three I don't know if players. I'd want to go more
1: than three. Yeah, uh, more
0: than three would just it would take so long. There'd be a ton of downtime.
1: Like I said, it, it was hard for me to find a board game that was like a high-complexity board game other than Mage Knight. Yeah, and yeah, Mage Knight is, you know, my fifth favorite game at this time, at the beginning of this Endeavor, the podcast Endeavor is my fourth. Uh, it, it's ranked, oh, I don't know, probably like, it's in the top 10 on Board game Geek. It has a 4.2 on weight. And to <laughs> compare that to my high complexity, Clank, Clank is a 2.2. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so there, there's a little bit of discrepancy there. Both both of them are really good. I I don't necessarily know if I would if I'm looking at a deck builder if I would dive into either one of those, sure. but if if you're if you're an experienced gamer, definitely recommend Mage Knight also Clank. So what yeah. what's the what's the mech rating for for you? We've, yeah, we've done mine on the show notes for Mage Knight, but I want to hear yours.
0: Yeah, and I when I look across like our uh, you know we're dorks, so of course we have an, a spreadsheet for our. Uh, mech on <laughs> It's games. a glorious spreadsheet. <laughs> it is a great spreadsheet. Uh, there's a lot of colors, but when I look across games, I think Mage Knight might be. We should look at like what our collective top five is. Um, but Mage Knight hits probably pretty close for just games that we both rank very highly on on the mech system so for me nine in mechanics i think the game is nearly flawless in the execution of the mechanics the only reason i have it ranked like not out of 10 is that it's not entirely novel there are it's mostly a collection of um, commonly used mechanics and then also it is large enough that there are some mechanics which i find myself not taking advantage of there are portions of the games which i don't use but nine nearly it's it's excellent it's nearly flawless it, it flows smoothly there's parts there's no part of the game where I'm like this is clunky or unusable it is extremely well executed um eight in experience mainly downtime is dragging that down eight and a half on components i love the art i love the um individual i love I, lo- I love the theme of like you're the bad guy like you're this awful like evil villain who's like blowing up the countryside to take it over like, I think that's amazing and then the uh oh and then the the cards the asymmetric um player powers those are those are great. Components as well. Uh, so overall, there is an eight point four.
1: Nice, yeah, and I think my overall was like an eight point three. Like we're we're right there. Uh, yep. I mean it's it's a fantastic game. I think the only reason it has slipped in my top five is I haven't played it in a while. I'm sure once yeah. I play it, it's gonna hop right back up. For sure. So For sure. It's a, yeah, it's, it's length a of play.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's length of play and it's again downtime that keeps us from. From doing it, usually when we when we play it, we each have to get a six pack of beer so that we can like have enough beer to get
1: through that one game. Yeah, and I don't think that's an exaggeration because like when we play a two player game, it's it's a full day thing. It's six to eight hours. Like we break for dinner. Yeah, and yeah, that that's why I I, I don't think I would ever want to play that game with four. Yeah, I just I I don't think weekend. it it would take a it would take a weekend, and I w- I would really like to play it with three. And I know one listener I really want to play with, so. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, so so that that was the the low, medium, and high. Do you have any honorable mentions?
0: Um, the only honorable mention I had in the complexity was a Great Western Trail, and this is a game that I haven't actually played, but does include it was does include a deck building mechanic, and it's just been one that I've like really wanted to try for a long time. It's up there. Clank is it was with there it was there with Clank as two games that I. Um, have a lot of respect for and like the reading and research I've done about them, but I've never actually had the chance to try them. So um, honorable mention for that reason. What about you?
1: Yeah. Great Western trail came across my research. That is a game that I have been looking for for a while now. It's been out of print for a little bit. Yeah. And I, I have talked with the, I have talked with the owner of the local game store. And I was like, when you get this in, give me a call and I will buy it. So yeah. it, it, it's on the list to definitely get and try. Uh, the the two honorable mentions that I had, uh, well, other than Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle, because you know that's a great game, but it just yep. fell in my honorable mentions. One is a game that came out. This is kind of a joke honorable mention. It's a game that came out I think two years ago at Gen Con. It's Deck Builder, the Deck Builder. It's a <laughs> deck building game about building a deck. I've heard it's not <laughs> very good at all, but, <laughs> but I just thought it'd be funny to but mention. But theme ten out but of 10. ten. 10 out of ten <laughs> mechanics one out of ten, but. <laughs> and <laughs> the, the other honorable mention that I have is a game that I played a demo of Edge Incon and that's called Mystic Veil. Have you ever played this game?
0: No, I've never played that game.
1: So Mystic Veil is interesting because it, it is I don't know if I would classify it as a deck builder because you have a set amount of cards in your deck, but the okay. cards are like a sleeve and you have a and the things that you're buying are things that you slide into the sleeve and it modifies like there are three slots on each card, and you buy, like, a top action. You slide it into a sleeve that you have in your hand. And so, like, when you draw the card oh, next wow. time, it has a top and a bottom. And then you can buy yeah, a yeah. middle. And so you're upgrading your cards in your deck.
0: That's really cool. I
1: I, I like the idea of the game more than I like the game. Um, okay. It, it, and they've put out a couple of expansions, which I hear are pretty good, and they they, they fixed it a little bit. But it, it was just such a novel, like, oh, this is cool. This is just a really cool idea. And so I wanted to mention that just as a, like, look it up, like, because, you know, I I played a demo of it, so I didn't get the full experience, but the demo wasn't enough for me to buy it, if if that's an indication of, but I just thought it was a cool idea, so I wanted to mention it.
0: For sure, for sure. Yeah, the last game that I wanted to um, bring up as an honorable mention, and I think the name speaks for itself, so I don't need to talk about it for too long, um, but A Study in Emerald. Excellent example of Hey, you're getting such oh, no We're right now. we're,
1: get, we're getting our, <laughs> our podcast is dying. <laughs> so that's deck building. <laughs> so what the the last thing that I want to lead or leave on is things that we left out of this conversation. Um uh, because like there there are some things that are very akin to deck building that we didn't talk about. But like that would be what you mentioned earlier, which was the trading card game where yep. like that's like the Pokemon Yu Gi Oh Magic the Gathering. There's also, yep. you know, we, we talked about it even earlier in the podcast, the living card game, which is, I I don't actually know the full distinction, like what's different about a living card game versus a trading card game. I think living card yep. games, like you buy a pack and the pack is always the same. Like Yeah, whereas, yeah, exactly. In a
0: living card game, you're essentially buying the expansions and the expansions come out with the same, you have the same, every player has the same access to the same number of cards assuming they own the same expansions whereas in trading card games the your access to getting the cards is random and so there are you buy like the little trading card packets or something and the distribution is random what you're going to buy is random and so that makes certain cards financially like monetarily
1: more valuable than other ones we left that out because well you do build a deck you build that deck before you start playing the game right so this we we were trying to encompass like Deck building as the objective of the game is to upgrade your deck. Not you come into it with a set deck. Those games are really good. We're just not we're just not talking about them in this conversation. The other thing would be like a bag builder. Oh yeah, yep. So like Orleon is a bag builder. So you're buying actions, you put them in a bag, you shake it up, and then you pull out in a certain amount of actions, and that is those are the actions you can take that turn. I left that out of my analysis just because. It's very similar in mechanics, but it's just not building a deck because you do put those back. You have the same like probability chance each time of drawing the same things. But sure. I know on like Board Game Geek, it lists like bag builders and deck builders under the same mechanic. So gotcha. Okay. Yep. So that was our discussion on deck building, uh, which was which was like, cool. I, I enjoyed this this kind of conversation, like talking about, and I really like the. The suggestion that your aunt had of like the low, medium, and high complexity—it really makes me kind of think about it in like a different sense of just like a top five, right? For sure, for sure, yep. So, I I, re- I really like that. So, if if you have any like comments or questions or recommendations on deck builders or any games, really, reach out to us on social media. Uh, we can be found on Twitter, we're at some Flights. We can be found on Instagram, which is Fantasy some Flights. We can be found on. Facebook, email, which is fantasyandsomeflights at gmail.com, and our website is fantasyandsomeflights.com. Reach out to us. Let us know what you think. We're going to be posting show notes, uh, which kind of like you know talk about all the games that we have talked about during this podcast. And you know, it I, I really like the show notes. Dalton, Dalton does a really good job with those. So oh, I appreciate I, that.
0: I, yeah, you do a really good job with the uh, you do a really good job with the social media. Today was a big milestone for us. We hit a thousand followers on Instagram. So you can check out Nelson's uh, post about that. Um, So a lot of, you know, work goes into that and we're really thankful for, you know, just the the community of board gamers on Instagram, people who listen to podcasts and don't, but just there's a, if you aren't on Instagram, there's a ton of community out there for people posting what they're playing and how they're playing it. And it's all, I've I've been so, so blessed and so thankful for how, you know, how friendly everybody is and making suggestions and, and encouraging one another. So it's just, it's a really positive experience and a really positive community out there.
1: Yeah. There are a lot of like really, really fun accounts out there to follow. So one, one of the accounts actually that, you know, we've been kind of interacting with uh, a lot is the Gamecasters, which is like another podcast, but but they have an Instagram account too. And what they were they did, I think twice, I was only able to join one of them, is they did like a uh, Instagram live game. They have this game that they play on, uh, on their podcast called The Association Station, where they'll, you know, say a word or a phrase and then... The other people on the podcast have to try and guess the board game that that's associated with. But they did a Instagram live, and so we should try and figure out an Instagram live or something to do. Maybe like a welcome to, or do like a a live show of playing a game or something. I think that'd be pretty cool. If you don't have anything else, we can't really clink because we're you know we're doing this over virtually. But you have your magic chess piece, and so that's right. That's (laughs) uh, right.
0: Yeah, I got my glass and my chess piece. I'm ready for the clink. (laughs) Cheers, buddy.
1: (laughs) Cheers.